Perverted. Brought to you by Sputnik Africa. August is a special month in South Africa titled Women's Month, and for good reason. On the 9th of August 1956, a historic event took place in the country's capital of Pretoria. It was the Women's March, organized by the Federation of South African Women, an anti-apartheid organization representing women from various groups, including the ANC Women's League. The march aimed to protest against the introduction of apartheid pass laws for black women in 1952 and to present a petition to then Prime Minister J.G. Stradom. The petition that was created by the Federation of South African Women and printed by the Indian Youth Congress reads as follows. We, the women of South Africa, have come here today. We African women know too well the effect this law has upon our homes, our children. We who are not African women know how our sisters suffer, for to us, An insult to African women is an insult to all women. We know that homes will be broken up when women are arrested under pass laws, that women and young girls will be exposed to humiliation and degradation at the hands of pass-searching policemen, that women will lose their right to move freely from one place to another. We, voters and voteless, call upon your government not to issue passes to African women. We shall not resist until we have won for our children their fundamental rights of freedom, justice and security presented to Prime Minister J.G. Stradom on the 9th of August 1956. The women's demands were not limited to past laws, but also addressed such issues as childcare provisions, housing, education, equal pay and equal rights with men in regard to property, marriage and guardianship of children. They had previously already submitted a document called What Women Demand during the Congress of the People in 1955, where the Freedom Charter was drawn up. On the day of the protest, an estimated 20,000 women of all races gathered in Pretoria, coming from all parts of South Africa. They walked to the union buildings in small groups of twos and threes, as large groups were banned by the authorities. Lillian Ngoi, Helen Joseph, Rahima Musa and Sophia Williams de Bruyne led the march. Representatives of each race group carried 14,000 petitions for presentation to Prime Minister Stradom, who didn't meet them. Instead, his secretary accepted them on his behalf. The women then stood in silence for a whole 30 minutes before singing South Africa's current anthem, Nkosi Sikelele Africa, and a woman's freedom song called Watinti Abafaisi, Watinti Mbokodo, which means you strike a woman, you strike a rock. The women's march was a significant moment in South African history and paved the way for future protests against apartheid. As of 1995, Women's Day is now celebrated every 9th of August, and August is designated as Women's Month. So that said, in honor of Women's Month, let's welcome our guest, Councillor Loiso Masuku, member of the Mayoral Committee for Group Corporate and Shared Services, City of Johannesburg. <music> Councillor Masuku, welcome to Afro Verdict. Could you please introduce yourself to our audience? I am Loiso Masuku. I am the member of the Mayoral Committee in the City of Johannesburg. I am responsible for Group Corporate and shared services in the municipality uh, in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. What about your childhood? Tell us a little bit about that. Give us your background story, so to say. I grew up in, uh, in the Eastern Cape, um, what you would, back then, it would have been called the Transkei during the apartheid uh, years. It would have been called the Transkei. It is now formerly the Eastern Cape. It's a it's a, one of the oldest towns called Butterworth. I grew up there, born and raised there, and then I ultimately um, did my primary school in there. 
and went on to um, East London, which is uh, what you would now call Buffalo City. And my childhood was uh, characterized by um, just experiences of obviously um, also having been raised by a single parent, I am a mother. I, I got to understand injustices. I got to have an appreciation of how important it is to actually be aware of your surroundings. So I became aware of my of my actual surroundings. Um, uh, I'd say uh, just before uh, grade eight. So yeah, I would have been uh, probably uh, fourteen or thirteen when I was exposed. Uh, and, and it was 1996 when our constitution was launched. Um, and I became aware of how when you grow up in a young woman in South Africa, um, how you have to actually adjust to the environment. And Victor, by saying adjust to the environment, I literally mean that where you have to understand that there is a place for women, there is a place for African women and uh, black uh, women, there is a place for you to try and adjust in the society that you are in because you would understand it was our constitution. Uh, it was a launch, a roadshow that came to my school. And I literally was asked to take to form part of a picture. And I didn't understand why I had to be put. And I realized later that I was the only young black African child in a boys school. And I had to literally be fit in because I went to a technical high school. So I needed to make the picture look good. And that got me inquisitive. Why must the picture look good? Why isn't it normal that we're actually supposed to be sort of like in the same environment? Um, but when I use the word away, that's the time then I realized that actually there are certain things that are happening. And I, I became inquisitive to understand about our history, about our country. Um, about the actual environment of South Africa and the changes South Africa was going, our country was, was going through at that moment. So my upbringing then led me into this path of literally entering the space where I have ended up in public office, fighting for, for, for the rights of the disenfranchised, fighting for the rights of women and, and youth and issues that are related to just empowerment of women. So, yeah, that is just, in summary, um, as much as I can go for my upbringing. All right, thanks a lot for that. I get the feeling that it's sort of a personal story, but if you don't mind me digging just a bit deeper, could you speak to the challenges and opportunities that you experienced during your childhood? Sort of what made you pursue a rather political career? Okay, so flowing from that, I then went into, I came to Johannesburg, um, where I then started to do my, um, uh, 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 my uh, first year um, uh, in, in varsity. And I became exposed into student politics. And I think, you know, student politics, um, if they interest you, they can shape uh, what you, you ultimately, um, your view, your worldview. Student politics have that impact on you. So I joined um, student politics under SASCO, South African Student Congress. And that actually made me more determined to, to assist um, um changing the lives of students. Uh, students, there were students who couldn't afford uh, education. And some of us, including myself, Victor, I was a beneficiary of the National Student Financial Aid. So when I, 
when I was in that environment, I realized so much inequality. I realized so much um, of, uh, of in my class of young people who could come and wouldn't be able to have a meal, who would slip in the libraries. Then that's when my activism was further ignited. And I later then um, uh, 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 grew into what you would know as the African National Congress Youth League, which is the ANC Youth League wing. And I led the, the Johannesburg region as a secretary, which ultimately brought me into becoming uh, the deputy secretary of the African National Congress in Johannesburg. And all of that was to actually say, young people have got an opportunity to raise issues that can change the course of history. Challenges such as, um, I mean, segregation, uh, discriminatory policies, um, unequal education, the living conditions and opportunities that, you know, Butterworth is a homeland. So in those apartheid years, you can imagine how that would have been. And now, when I started to, to mature into the ANC politics, you realize the limited career opportunities that are there. I mean, where you find that um, professional growth and, and, and advancement is actually limited uh, to a certain group and the narrative that um, women in, in, in itself, we can't do certain roles. You realize that we have to stand up like the women of 1956 stood up against the past laws then. But our struggle is different because ours is about economic opportunities. It's about dealing with issues of gender-based violence, gender discrimination, racial discrimination, and the expectations um, and, of course, the life that we would want to, to actually get um, um, experience. But for me, the restrictions then in, for the women of 1956 who would have fought, why we celebrate Women's Month, those restrictions uh, are no longer there of past, law, past laws in apartheid South Africa. However, there are restrictions now on employment opportunities, economic opportunities, uh, women taking up leadership spaces and developing into higher positions, women becoming uh, premiers, presidents, deputy presidents, mayors, and so forth. So that is a different generational mission that we are now facing. And I think it's something that all of us have to fight. I mean, you know how Michelle Obama, when she would speak, she would say, in my own right, I am a woman who must be affirmed. I don't have to be affirmed because of um, I'm attached to a particular being. Um, it's time for women to be affirmed in their own right. And I think that's why Women's Month um, and when we go back to our history as we grow up now, it becomes very important to remember and, and, and celebrate. Mm, mm, no, I definitely agree with you there. You know, you spoke about your experience during your uh, sort of learning stage. Uh, school and university and the inequality there where you notice some people were disadvantaged. You know, I know, um, and I mean, this is an obvious fact that some people overlook that or to some extent even ignore such conditions with the attitude sort of, that's not my problem. These qualities that you described of empathy and kindness that you had, that ability to sort of look at someone and uh, stand in their shoes, 
to what extent would you say that these are qualities of South Africans or South African women in particular? A vast majority of South African women would understand this because I would say um, I don't have scientific evidence, but I, from experience, I would say the women I've interacted with um, who have made it actually come from such circumstances. Uh, the women who have been able to climb the ladder and not push it uh, uh, so that others don't go up, they would have gone through these experiences. They have this compassion. They understand where we need to correct, where um, our policies are not transformative because we our, policy, our policies, where our, our, our programs are, be it in government or in the party that I represent um, that has deployed me to be in this position, I would say majority of those women have gone through this. So that is why it makes it easier for us to be able to push and have this fight collectively because all of them would have come through this particular journey uh, that I have um, um, experienced. Thank you very much. Uh, explain to our listeners, perhaps some of them don't know, what is the significance of Women's Month in South Africa? Because internationally, Women's Day is celebrated on the 8th of March. What is so special about Women's Day in South Africa and why is it a special day for all South African citizens? So in um, 1950, uh, in, it was 1956 on the 9th of, 9th of August, um, women... Uh, the women that we celebrate we marched. It was 20,000 of them. And uh, one of them uh, is still alive, Mam Sophie Dubrain. They marched to the union buildings. They were protesting on the uh, extension of pass laws to women. Uh, the issue of just an, an inhumane system where in South Africa, apartheid South Africa then, um, women were, were actually uh, oppressed. Um, but, but they were. But that march, uh, Victor, was just a catalyst for a lot of things that then had to follow in dealing with um, just uh, segregation, in dealing with empowerment of women, in dealing with land reform issues for women, because it, that was, it was structural oppression where there was no conducive environment for women to take control of their lives. There was no conducive environment for women to address themselves uh, publicly to deal with issues of um, um, oppression. So that day is important for us. Um, um, and we honor those women. Those are women of fortitude who actually paved a way for many other federations and organizations to be formed and ultimately to assist in the fight against apartheid South Africa. And how is Women's Day celebrated specifically today? In a variety of forms. I mean, there would be activities, official activities of the government, where you would have the state president giving an address and ministers, uh, provincial premiers would also do that. And for me, it's a symbolism and a reminder of, of the importance of that day. But that day also assists us in... Um, looking at this space where we are in, whether we are we on track as it re relates to transformation, are we on track as it relates to um, empowerment of women, de dealing with unequal power relations, dealing with um, gender oppression, patriarchy, sexism, 
Um, and of course, also the issues of uh, gender-based violence. It's also an opportunity for us to review and look at our policies, if the, our policies are actually addressing the structural issues that we deal with, and also to take stock. We've got two uh, very important um, um, uh, uh, gender machinery in our country, mainly the Commission for Gender Equality, which looks at policy and advocacy. So we also use that opportunity to pr profile the work of the Gender Commission. There's also the Ministry for Women, Youth uh, uh, and People with Disabilities, which looks at monitoring and evaluation and coordinating all efforts of government in order to deal with issues affecting women in our country. All right, I understand. Thank you very much. And finally, could you send your message as a quite a prominent woman in South Africa to all the women out there in South Africa and abroad? I would say to our women across, uh, honor your strength, um, your resilience. Uh, we honor your countless contributions. And um, you must never be afraid to stand up and recognize that as women, we have the ability to, to lead. Uh, we are pioneers uh, uh, in our own right. You, wherever you are, whichever country you are in, you are a leader, you are a caregiver, you are, uh, you are, a, you are, you are a giver. You, you shatter barriers with the ability to, to even mother and bring uh, a, a life into this world. Your voice is instrumental in pushing for equality and justice. Your voice is instrumental for pushing together for change. And I think we have to amplify our stories. Our stories need to be heard. And that's why I appreciate that there are news networks like uh, yourselves who, who could come and say, let's hear the voices of women. There are other voices of other women that need to be heard. There are journeys, there are efforts, collective and individual efforts that would um, bring down the walls of discrimination and inequality. And I want to say to our women, remember that your dreams are valid, your ambitions are important, and your own worth is immeasurable. All of us have the power to shape the world around us. We have the ability to inspire and we have the ability to say that our potential must be recognized, we must get equal opportunities, and we must be respected. And we must never, when we've made it, push the ladder to leave others uh, behind. Stereotypes are there, discrimination is there, but we must frown upon it. And we must never let anybody to go through that phase in their lives for as long as we are in the space of power and the ability to inspire. So, I mean, in my native language, in Isikosa, there is a phrase, uh, Victor, that says, You strike a woman, you strike a rock. That is who we are. And when we say, We literally mean women's voice must be celebrated and heard. And I think that's the message I would want to leave out there. And we must, every 365 days of our lives, not only in March when it's International Women's Month and when it's August in South Africa, we must celebrate our strength and fight for our equal rights. There we go. Thank you, ma'am. What a beautiful message. I'm sure our listeners uh, will definitely get inspired by your message. Thank you very much for joining Afro Verdict. Happy Women's Month. Happy Women's Day. And uh, have a great week further on. Appreciate it. Thank you.
And that was Loisa Masuku on Afro Verdict brought to you by Sputnik Africa. We celebrate all women and call on women to be the change you want to see, be the drivers of development and improve the lives of people, be it on a scale large or small. Dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to congratulate your beloved women with this special month if you haven't done so already. Don't forget that you can listen to our Afroverdict podcast on various platforms such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Deezer, Pocket Cast, as well as Afripods. Check out our Sputnik Africa Telegram channel, TikTok account and other socials to always be up to date on local and global events. Happy Women's Month to all the ladies out there and I'll see you next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.